We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Final four in the NBA. Uh, Nuggets Lakers game one comes at us tonight. We will get game one between the Heat and the Celtics in Boston on Wednesday night. But uh, other than the the game one tonight, a, a huge, huge uh, event in the NBA. I, I would say the biggest draft lottery in at least twenty years. I, I think the Zion John Morant lottery was probably the one that that came closest. Obviously, there's there's been some big ones. You, know, you think Durant Odin in 07, 08, whatever year that was, but yeah, I, I really think this one has a chance to, to go down as kind of the all-timer, but it, it does feel to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you're, maybe you're running in different circles, Alex. There's just not been that much talk about what is the biggest lottery in NBA history. Yeah, I think, uh, well, first of all, for the listeners of the Friday podcast, we're not going to hear the end of it if the Pistons win the lottery and when Benyama goes to Shannon's <laughs> Pistons. Um, we'll be doing a special, that, a special daily solo Shannon episode all season, I think, if that happens. A hundred percent. Yes. Uh, aside from that, I agree. Uh, the group chats are not popping off. I would. So how much of this do you think is that a significant chunk of the top 10, I would say are not college players. Um, I would, I think that's part of it. I, I just think when Yama alone is, is enough of a prize that I don't even know that like the rest of the lottery really matters that much. Uh, that is an interesting point though. You know, as you go through and, you know, we're kind of in that mode now where we're, we're preparing for the NBA draft um, in a little over a month. You know, the combine's going on right now. We're, we're working on some like draft profiles, things like that. Uh, but really, yeah, other than Brandon Miller, who will likely go somewhere in the top five, uh, you know, Anthony Black, Jairus Walker, you, you get into some college prospects in the mid to late lottery. But, you know, four of the top five guys that you'll see in most mock drafts are you know either guys who play in the G League and the overtime league or in Wembenyama's case, obviously overseas. So, 
Yeah, I, I think it's a little different. You know, everybody knew ja, knew John ja Morant, knew Zion Williamson going into that lottery. Uh, certainly Zion playing at Duke and making a run in the NCAA tournament helped the case. But I also think when you look back at that 2019 lottery, uh, you know, going into it, you had the, the, the Knicks and the Bulls were within the top four in terms of chances at the number one pick. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are, are, are not a huge market franchise, but, you know, at that time where we're kind of at a turning point, we're up there. Phoenix, you know, had top three odds that year as well. And, you know, obviously both New Orleans and Memphis and the LA Lakers, by the way, uh, all ended up jumping up significantly in that lottery. How much of you, how much of it do you think plays into the fact that the top four teams that we have right now in terms of lottery odds are Detroit, San Antonio, Houston, and Charlotte, which have just not really been relevant NBA franchises, especially when we're in the midst of the playoffs, right? Like the NBA is so focused on the postseason right now. All the talk is about what's going on there. Uh, I, I think it makes it hard to be like, hey, we, we need to work in a little bit more San Antonio Spurs talk because the lottery's coming up. <laughs> right. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think people have had mixed feelings on these playoffs. I've really enjoyed them. I, even as a Bucks fan, I will say I enjoy upsets. Um, I think some teams have really impressed when, when their guys have gotten hurt. Obviously, injuries have been a big part of it. But, you know, we have L.A. versus Denver, which is a huge story. And Boston very well may go on to, um, you know, back-to-back NBA finals. And But the Heat are still going to put up a fight. And so I think that's dominating a lot of the discourse. Yeah. But you're right. It's just the, the markets are so small and these teams feel so hopeless that when Benyama might go to, at least in the bottom four, like you mentioned, um, you know, I actually, I feel like I've said this multiple times. I feel like Charlotte's really underrated in this discussion because of the the LaMelo plus Wembenyama combination. And then they might mm-hmm. get Miles Bridges back, which obviously, you know, that, that comes with its own issues. But um, if they get a hold of him, you know, LaMelo missed so much of the season. I feel like it's kind of a lost year yeah. for him. But they might come back hot next year if they get him. I, I just hope we get chaos. I'm on Tankathon right now. <laughs> uh, anybody who follows the NBA draft has spent a lot of time on this website. I just hit Sim Lottery uh, just to see what would happen. The only time I've clicked it today, the Pelicans jumped up 13 spots to the number one pick. The Pacers <laughs> got the number two pick. The Thunder got the number three pick. Uh, Detroit picking fifth. So, yeah, that's a, a pretty unlikely outcome. Uh, I just just uh, ran it again, and now the Charlotte Hornets got the number one pick. Right. So I, I just hope it, it's not one of those lotteries because every, every now and then it's like w- with the new odds – you know, we, we do see more movement than ever, uh, but every now and then you still get one that plays out like just kind of chalky uh, of all lotteries to, to have some chaos, to have a team move up like nine spots. This would be the one. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like when you said Pelicans that just, I can't even imagine like Zion plus one Benyama. Um, that would Jose be Alvarado. Jose. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we were talking on the radio about this earlier today, and I forget, I think it was one of our producers said, like, he's like, the only thing I don't want to happen is Dallas to jump up to number one because they don't deserve oh, yeah. it. Uh, I, I don't know. That'd be chaotic enough for me. I, I would take that scenario. Yeah, I mean, yes, it would be chaotic. I mean, Doncic and Wembenyama would be incredible, but then you oh, had the goodness. Kyrie. Would, <laughs> would that prompt them? I don't know if that would make Dallas more or less likely to want Kyrie on the team. Where are you right now on year one impact for Wembenyama. Like we've talked about it fantasy wise. I, I think he's going to be, my guess is as long as there's not like an injury or he doesn't like look disastrous at summer league uh, that he's going to be the highest drafted rookie on average that we've seen. I was not playing fantasy basketball in 2003 when LeBron came in. So I can't speak right. to that, but I, I think even if he just has like an average rookie year, given the expectations, he could be a monster fantasy wise due in large part to the fact that he blocks a ton of shots. Um, but, you know, real life impact, like if he goes to 
especially a Western conference team. Like I was talking with James the other day about, you know, what does the West look like next season? And, I, and it was kind of in light of the Morant stuff uh, like Denver should still be good. Sacramento should be good, but I, I think we, you know, they need to make some tweaks to really move into like the, the quote unquote contender tier. They didn't even make it out of round one, you know, teams like Phoenix, the Clippers, the Warriors. Uh, I mean, they, they could look completely differently. Same with Dallas. Uh, you know, like let, let's say, you know, when lands with Houston or lands in, in San Antonio, uh, like, is there a case to be made that if he's good enough right away, I mean, that, that could pull you from like the 14th spot in the West up into the playoff race? At least in the play-in race, I think. Um, San Antonio's got a pretty bare, uh, pretty bare team. Not a lot of guys in that team that I trust. I would almost feel like Houston more so because they have Shangoon and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter. And it sounds like they want to make win-now moves anyway. Um, I, I do think it's interesting I think every team is asking themselves this question. Like if we get Wembenyama, do we just go for it in free agency? Like, do we try to load yeah. up? Um, do we maybe trade even some of our younger prospects to try to, you know, I, you're one impact. I mean, the def to, to me, the defense feels like um, what I'm least worried about. Uh, like, I think he could have defensive player of the year type impact right away. And like we saw the kind of impact even like Walker Kessler had this season. Talk about Victor Wembanyama, it's a whole different story. And even if he's he hits a couple threes, maybe he doesn't handle the ball as much as a lot of people hope or think he would. Like he's just it's it's impossible for me to imagine he averages like less than 15 points a game. Let's put it that way. Like an efficient 15 points a game. I could see him averaging like yeah. 12 rebounds, three blocks, a steal. Like, and if you're putting up those numbers. Like, that's five to ten extra wins, I feel like. The NBA regular season has come and gone, which means it's time for a new way to play daily fantasy basketball for the playoffs. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they brought three new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. With unique games like Fantasy Bingo, head-to-head -head player challenges, and over-unders in Fantasy Book, Daily Fantasy has never been better. Right now, Rotowire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash signup. Again, that's play.rivalfantasy.com slash signup. And use our code RotowireMBA, all one word, RotowireMBA. Use that at signup and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now's the time to step onto the court and become a Rival today. Welcome to the arena. So are we underrating the possibility that we could have like a an Eli Manning type of situation here where, you know, we, we really haven't heard anything from Victor Wembanyama or his camp due in part to the fact that he's an international prospect. But uh, meanwhile, like Amani Bates is is on Instagram live last night talking about which teams he wants to draft him. Like, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. Uh, you know, like, it, well, are, are we going to see a scenario where depending on how the lottery plays out, like, could Wembenyama try to force his way to a certain destination? Like, you know, let, let's say it's, it's Detroit at number one and he doesn't want to go to Detroit. Like, I don't know if there's ever been a prospect with more leverage than Victor Wembenyama, especially when you start to consider, you know, how much like off the court, uh, you know, opportunities have grown for players in the last 20 years. Like I, obviously LeBron was such a unique situation because he wanted to go to his hometown Cavaliers and it was, it was just kind of meant to be, but Wembenyama doesn't have that, that clear connection. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm just very curious and it's 
it's kind of strange to me that nobody's really talked about the possibility that this guy's maybe the best prospect ever. And in a, in a time when players have more power than ever, like, could we see him say, Hey, you know, don't draft me much in the way that, that Kobe Bryant did all the way back in 1996. Right. And then the question is like, what can you even get for, if you had to, if you felt like you had to trade the number one pick, what do you even get back? I, I don't know. I mean, you would, there would be a lot of Godfather offers, I think for it. I think, I feel like part of the reason we haven't heard anything like that from Wembenyama or people talking about that is because I feel like every, I feel like every week or every month, like ESPN or some other website runs some profile and Wembenyama being like, this is the most level headed down to earth 18 year old that's ever walked the face of the earth. And he reads books yeah. and he does it like the, he's being, <laughs> he is literate. Being, yes. Um, like to me, it feels like, I don't know if it's hundred percent real or not. It's hard to know with like, you know, some of these stories, but it just, he's not being characterized as the type of guy who would do sure. that. That is a good point. And yeah, that's, that's also part of the reason I'm sure that that narrative hasn't emerged, but I, you know, I, I do think there's gotta be an element of, okay, let's see how the lottery plays out. Uh, but before we, we consider making any moves, um, you know, I, I think the other thing, you know, you mentioned the, the possibility of a trade, I just can't even imagine what that would look like. You know, if, I don't know, like if a team like Portland, let's say wins the lottery or Orlando um, and they say like, okay, you know, we, cause there is still the possibility of the unknown here. It's like the, the expectations are so high that it, it is going to take a LeBron like career for Webb to feel like he, he lived up to it. And I think the number one concern for me, if, if I was a team or if I was a fan of a team that could have Webb versus a proven commodity would be, I mean, everything looks so great. Is it almost too good to be true? You know, it's like we've never seen anybody this size do the things that he does. And obviously, in a best case scenario, he, he turns out to be one of the greatest players of all time. But yeah, I think you worry about physically. It's like, okay, how to say 7'5", 225 pound small right. forward. You know, what does that look like when he's 31 years old in the NBA? And, and obviously, the upside is high enough that, it, you know, a trade is it's fairly far-fetched. But I mean, I don't even know. It's hard to even build what you think might be a realistic package. No, it's it's pretty much impossible. I, you mentioned it. I mean, to me, the only real downside feels like potential injuries, um, which he's had already. I mean, I feel like it kind of gets under discussed. He 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 had a stress fracture in his fibula. Um, like he's had other, he's had like a back issue, stuff like that. I know it. It sounds like he's taken increased care of his body lately. You know, as he's as it's become clear that he's going was going to be drafted very high in the NBA. It sounds like. Um, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Windhorse was talking about how he he changed his trainer and it's a whole new thing. Um, but if you're trying to build a trade package around someone, yeah, I mean, it would, it, I, you know, first of all, it's like what team, the, t- the team that's getting him, it would almost be like a, they would kind of be blowing it up because the amount that you would actually have to give would completely gut your team and Wembenyama would probably end up being your number one option, right? So it would have to be a team, I think in the middle of the standings, maybe middle slash upper middle that is just like, it's not, we're, we're in a team situation that we don't right. want to be in. And we would just prefer to just hit the reset button right now with this. Right. But at the same time, like those teams don't have the type of blue chip talent that you'd be wanting to get back. Right. It's like, you know, the, the list of players that would be an acceptable headliner is so thin. Right. I mean, it's like, it's like Giannis Jokic and how many guys after that? Not many. Right. I mean, it's like, I mean, I, I think a team like OKC, would be interesting. I, I don't think they would do it because this would kind of just set their timetable even further back. But, you know, it's like, could you put like, we'll give you SGA, we'll give you Josh Giddy, and we'll give you three first round picks. Like, does, is that even a conversation? 
I don't even know if that's a conversation. Um, I don't know which side it's a conversation for. I don't know. Right. <laughs> like that might be too much. I, I really don't know. Yeah, I'm flipping through the teams right now. I really just don't know. I mean, maybe like Brooklyn could try to come over the top, but I just they don't have the star power. Like we all like Mikhail Bridges, but it would just be so picks focused. New York it doesn't have any ammo. I there's no way a team would be like, yeah, I'll take Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and a bunch of picks for for Absolutely. sending you back Wimbenyama. So, um, it's just again, it feels almost impossible to construct a real trade for that for that pick. I saw a tweet yesterday from Sean Hyken, who he currently covers the Blazers. He's been a, a longtime NBA reporter. Um, I'll, I'll quote it here exactly. A front office person told me today at the Combine that if Victor Wembanyama had an Embiid-like multiple-season injury before the draft, not only would every team still take him number one, they'd be willing to max him out on his second contract without seeing him play a single game. <laughs> Oh man, Embiid! You know, Embiid panning out the way he has really—he's uh, stress fractures for big men don't seem as big of a deal anymore, apparently. But uh, I think I think you most teams should be a little bit worried than that. But I again, like it's not hyperbole to to talk about how great Wembenyama could become. Like watching him in person, those full games—it was him against was that against the G League Ignite that they played. This was. Yeah. I don't know how long ago that was. That was like August. Yeah. Watching that, you know, watching a full game of him, it was like, man, you know, I was watching that with my dad who had never heard of Victor Wembenyama before. And he's watching it. He's like, this guy's insane. Like, I, I think it's just so clear when you watch him, you don't even have to be a basketball scout to know that, like, if this pans out, the shots that like he's hitting everything. Again, I what, what Hiking is saying seems like hyperbole, but... I mean, if that potential is real, then I, even if he's 80% of what we think he could be, it's going to be a win for the team that drafts him number one. He definitely passes the dad test. I'll tell you, yes. that. I, I, have not, I have not had that conversation with my father yet, but uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of casual sports dads around the world who are going to be texting their sons or daughters. Like what's up with this women Yama guy. And it's probably not going to be spelled correctly. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, the hype is going to get out of control. I think, you know, the rest of this week, there's going to be a lot of talk about it. It'll die down. We'll focus on the finals. And then all of a sudden, Summer League is going to roll around in yep. July. And hopefully, he plays in Summer League. And that, I mean, I, there, every you know, every five or so years, you know, there's a prospect that everybody comes to see. We, you, we're either out there for the Roadwire trip during that time or you're watching at home. And, you know, they're like, oh, the gym's packed. You know, there's not an empty seat in here. I mean, that's going to be <laughs> – that might be like $300 to get into the door at, at Thomas and Mack. 100%. And he's not, well, he's not going to be at the combine, right? Because the season is still going on, which is a right. bit of a disappointment. You know, the NBA is really, I mean, with the new CBA, they're trying to basically make everybody go to the combine. And it's just, this is an exception. But I assume he'll at least play in one summer league game. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the way it was for Zion, I mean, Zion, it caused an earthquake when Zion was there. So I don't know what would happen if Wembenyama actually played in summer league. Who did Zion rip the ball away from? I'll always remember... Was it Kevin Knox? Uh, yeah, I think it was a Knicks player. I think it was Kevin Knox. That would make sense. Yeah. But yeah, I, I remember. I mean, that was like one of those like, oh boy. All right. This this is for real. And, you know, unfortunately, the injuries have, have kind of sapped a lot of that excitement. But um... we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, real, real quickly, by the way, just going to completely shift gears here before we talk about these series. Uh, you know, the Zion thing reminded me, we should talk John Morant. Uh, we don't really have oh, anything sure. definitive. He's just suspended indefinitely, but... I think we we need to discuss this for fantasy purposes. If you're doing, you know, early best balls or anything like that, uh, which could be coming, you know, in the next month or so, I I would put the over under at 20 and a half games for the suspension uh, oh, wow. that that will likely be coming. I, I don't see I don't see a way out of this for Morant. I know, like on, on Zach Lowe's pod this week, he was you know trying to be very careful about like, well, you know, nothing nothing's definitive and. You know, people, I think he said, like, people in the Grizzlies are like, well, you know, maybe there's a chance it was a fake gun. It's like, I don't even know if that matters in this situation. <laughs> it's like, it's not like he was shooting the gun. It's, it's, it's about just, you know, the act of displaying a gun. I don't like, how would you ever prove that it was fake? Whatever. Uh, I, I think a suspension's coming for sure. I mean, he's a, a repeat offender in what's a, a really unique situation. Right. He already, I think he was, what, eight games for the first suspension. 
Uh, where would you go on if the line is 20 and a half? Yeah, I mean, I my gut feeling was 10 and a half, but now that you mentioned the first suspension was eight and a half, it seemed like, I mean, if you the first time he was in a club, essentially, this time it seemed like he was in his driveway or something. I, I think um, he was in a car, right? Yeah, but I thought he was like in, like not out. You know what okay. I mean? Not, yeah. I don't know if that matters. Like it should, I think, but. Well, um, yeah, well, that is true because I mean, the last situation was in a different state, right? And I think that was part of it, but I don't know how, how concerned the NBA is about that versus like the legal side of things. Right. Again, because like you're saying, it doesn't matter if it's a real gun or not to some extent, because if someone sees you with what they think is a real gun, then, you know, it, it creates right. obviously issue. It's very dangerous. Um, yeah. I mean, 20 and a half feels, um, I could definitely see that happening. Let's put it that way. I would not be shocked if it was 20, 25 games um, for fantasy. I mean, you mentioned best ball leagues and stuff like that. Dynasty leagues. I think that's a fair question as well. Um, it, it would feel like you're selling low I, again. It's hard because you just like, you don't, you don't expect these things to continue. Like you would like after it happened the first time, you wouldn't have been like, Oh, I think it's going to happen again very soon or ever again. And now that it's happened a second time, I feel the same way. I'm like, there's no way it can happen a third time, but <laughs> you would, <laughs> you would, I think you just have to draft him again with the assumption. We'll eventually get how many games he's, he's suspended for, but you know, I, I think Jaron Jackson, ironically on the same team was set to miss like the first 20 games of last season. He got drafted in the hundred range. So I feel like people still draft Morant, like in the 30 to 40 range, but it all depends. I wouldn't take him that high. I'll tell you that. I mean, for one, I, I don't think he's even that great of a fantasy player they compared not, yeah. to real life. Um, and if you're lopping off 20 games at the minimum, it feels like, uh, you know, to the start of that season for a guy who's also missed a ton of time. Right. I mean, it's not like he's just always out there when he's healthy. So that, that's tough for me. I, I, I think he's probably, you know, it, it, easy to say a stay away until a certain point, you know, obviously at, at, at some time, you know, you're willing to take that risk, but I'm, I'm trying to see where he finished last year. Total value in eight cat leagues. He was 69th. And that was with 61 games played. So we could be looking at a situation where he would get suspended and then need to play like every single game the rest of the way just to match what he did last year. Right. I was saying more so like where I think he'll be drafted. Because like I think you and I are both more averse to him than most people in terms of like I his his stats actually don't translate that well to fantasy. Right. Um, obviously, points league is different. But like standard Roto League, you know, trying to build a balanced yeah. roster. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard. Again, like you mentioned pick 60 is probably a better spot to grab him, but I don't, I don't, I just don't think he'll slip that far. Even if he misses uh, 20 games. All right, let's talk about these playoff series. We'll start with Lakers nuggets. Since we get that one tonight, uh, no NBA uh, road to NBA show tonight, by the way, we've got the draft lottery. Instead, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with shows Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. Uh, the Denver nuggets have crept up. Uh, the line continues to move Alex. They are now six point favorites at home against the Lakers for game one tonight. The, the series line slightly in favor uh, of the Nuggets as well. I, I think that's fine. Uh, right now they are minus 160, Lakers plus 135. But even that has moved a little bit in favor of Denver in the last couple of days. I I think I would take Denver in this game. I mean, obviously they're expected to win. They're six-point favorites. I'm, I'm so fascinated by this series. Um, it's just like... 
Jokic has been so amazing. Aiton was such a letdown in terms of defending him. Um, not that anybody's going to be great at guarding Jokic, but it's just like you have the guy. Like you have AD to slow down Jokic. He's absolutely the guy to do that with his length, athleticism, the whole thing. And it's going to be tough for Jokic to guard AD on the other end because it's just it's a mobility thing, right? It, they're just uh, so. And again, like Aaron Gordon on LeBron, I think that's a really fun, exciting matchup. Um, it's going to be way, way harder for the Lakers to sort of bully the Nuggets uh, compared to the way they bullied the Warriors. They can't build a particular scheme like they did against the Warriors. It's going to be a lot more of a straight-up game uh, defensively. So I'm I'm fascinated by this series. I would pick Denver. Uh, I know that's what the odds say. It's not like a hot take, but I think um, Denver, I've just – they're so much more easy to trust than the Lakers. Yeah, they are. And they get this – this series with home court advantage. That's the biggest thing. I, I think if the Lakers were the higher seed and they got the first two at home and a potential game seven at home, I would lean Lakers. But I mean, not only you know does Denver have a, a massive home court advantage, they were one of the best home ATS teams in the league, but I, I think the altitude having to play the first two games out there it is a really, really tough spot for the Lakers. And I mean, as we saw in the last round, like Denver jumped out 2-0 on Phoenix. It shifts back to Phoenix. All of a sudden it's 2-2. Like I, I could see that same scenario playing out here. And I, I think the Lakers... The Lakers have clearly gained confidence in this team, and I think LeBron has gained confidence in this team. I, I don't know that he fully believed that they were a true title contender coming into the postseason, but the way a lot of these role guys have stepped up, like I, you get the sense, like the Lakers. I think if you ask them in an honest moment, they would say we think we should be favored, you know. And and sure, maybe a lot of teams would say that, but I don't think they, I don't think they view the Nuggets as this like insurmountable, you know, number one seed juggernaut. Uh, I, I still think there's a lot of not disrespect for Jokic. I think guys are coming around, but I, you know, you got to see it at some point. And someone like LeBron James is not going to, to bend the knee to Nikola Jokic, who's never, you know, advanced past the Western conference finals. So I, I think the Lakers are coming in with a lot of confidence. I, the big man matchup obviously is going to be the crux of the series. And, you know, I, I think it's going to be like, which big man can survive the longest without either in AD's case being tired or in both of their cases, not picking up fouls because, the biggest thing for both teams, like neither of these teams have a, a decent backup center whatsoever. <laughs> Mo Bamba versus DeAndre Jordan uh, kind of situation if they both pick up fouls. Well, I, yeah, I, don't, I think Mo Bamba's ruled out for game one. Oh. They don't even have Mo Bamba. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – it's. Um, I think both of these guys – well, they matched up in the playoffs. How many playoff matchups – five yeah so they've played five playoff games against each other i mean uh, you know davis held Jokic to 22 7 and 5 obviously pretty good that was a different team though you know Jokic, they're gonna have like the whole squad around him um, that he does now davis averaged 31 and 6 54 shooting although that was when ad could shoot jump shots that's completely right. different now um but yeah, I think they're I think they're going to try to put Jokic in the pick and roll, um, do all that stuff, make him work defensively. I think they're going to try to get under his skin, like do everything they can to just wear him down. Um, and they have they have the tools to do it more so than like the Timberwolves did, obviously, and and the Suns did. Yeah, I, I mean the Nuggets have actually been a vastly better shooting team than the Warriors in these playoffs. They're at thirty eight percent from three. I mean, Gold State finished the playoffs at thirty four percent. Lakers down to thirty three percent. I, I still think, even though, I mean, Denver is a, a better team than the Warriors this year, no question. And I, I think they have 
uh, kind of a more dangerous overall offensive attack. But I still think for the Lakers, this is going to be somewhat of a relief because when you play Golden State, you're just you're you're on like high alert at all times. Like you you have to be 100% locked in every single possession, doing everything you can, scratching and clawing for 24 seconds to make sure you're not giving anything to Curry and Clay. And and obviously, you know, Jokic is right there with Steph Curry when you're talking about the best players in the league. He's a completely unique piece that's that's you know arguably just as hard to defend, but. I, I do think for the Lakers, it's like, okay, we got through that matchup. That, that one was going to be really tough for us. Like now we at least play a slightly more normal team. Like I, I think there's, there's gotta be like a, a little bit of a sigh of relief to just not have to account for Steph Curry every single second he's on the court. Right. It's more of a normal team. Although in some ways, I think that Warriors matchup prepared them for all the, the weird cuts and actions sure. they're going to see off ball. Cause obviously Denver does that a lot um, with Jokic. So I think it did. I think playing the Warriors actually gave them an advantage in a way because they'll, they'll have to stay as locked in and they'll be used to trying all like they tried everything against the Warriors in terms of, are we going to switch these actions? Are we going to try to force them uh, towards the hoop, which they ended up kind of doing like force those guys into Anthony Davis, which I assume they'll try again um, because I think they still want to have, you know, Jamal Murray and KCP and Aaron Gorgon, like try to finish over AD. I think that's just the best thing you should do defensively, but um they do generally, they play, they play more normal um, for sure. I do worry a little bit. I mean, they didn't really have anyone. Yeah. They, they ended up putting Reeves on Curry, who I thought took a really good job. And I kind of wonder, yeah. I assume they're going to put Reeves on Jamal Murray to start this series. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, unless you, you know, you kind of want to go with like a, a much longer option to Jared Vanderbilt, but we'll see. I mean, they, they kind of got away from Vanderbilt as that, that last series went along. So they, right. they, they have multiple directions they can go. I'm sure Schroeder will see some time on Murray. Uh, you know, I, I do think it's an uphill battle, certainly for the Lakers going up against Denver, but we have to remember that this is also the best defense in the league in the postseason. I mean, they, they have a yeah. defensive rating of 107.5. Uh, Denver's not too far behind, by the way. They, they've been great on the defensive end, but I think part of that is playing the Timberwolves certainly helps. I and mean, they were <laughs> terrible for most of that series. Uh, you know, I, I, there's just been a lot of talk of like, all right, how do the Lakers slow down Jokic? I, some of those same questions apply to the Nuggets. Although I, I do think if you could, if you could kind of construct somebody physically to guard LeBron James, like Aaron Gordon is that guy. He, he was amazing against KD. I, I thought he defended KD as well as anybody has in a long time in the last round. But I mean, this is an even bigger challenge now against LeBron. It is. I think, um, yeah, it's it's going to be Aaron Gordon because Michael Porter Jr. absolutely cannot guard LeBron James. KCP is too small. I think Bruce Brown might get some opportunities, try to get up under LeBron, but obviously that's just not sustainable. I, I'm a little curious about like a little Jeff Green, maybe. Uh, see if they can, they can have him come out and do some stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this could end up like, when you think about both the Nuggets and the Lakers, you kind of think about this up and down sort of Showtime-esque three-point shooting for both teams, right? Like they got up and down the floor, flashy. But I do think this series could end up kind of in the mud because you mentioned both of them played so well on defense. They kind of scheme for that. They're willing to um, run out the clock on the offense a little bit, really search for the last shot. So um, I think this series could end up in the mud a little bit compared to what we've seen or maybe what people expect. Which team does that play to the benefit of? What team does it play to the benefit of? Um, probably the Lakers, I think. Um, because I still think they're the more physical team, but I, 
I don't know. I mean, Jokic isn't a guy who gets out and runs either. Right. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I think the Lakers want to run. I think they do. And, you know, we, we kind of think of them as this, like, oversized team with with some older players. But, I mean, they, they thrive in transition. And I, I think LeBron has room to improve in that regard. I thought they actually kind of blew a lot of transition opportunities over the last couple of rounds, just not necessarily making smart calls. But, yeah, I, th- I think that's what they want to do. I mean, you, you want to get Nikola Jokic kind of sprinting basket to basket as right. much as you can and, and force that Nuggets team to defend you in space. I think, I, I think they're going to have better, they're going to have better luck trying to bully this team uh, than they did Golden State. And it, it worked against Golden State to an effect, but uh, the Nuggets outside of Jokic, like they don't, they don't have like that Kavon Looney bruising body who's like only job is to, you know, keep guys off the boards and, and defend the rim. It's like, you ask so much else of Jokic that he is a fantastic rebounder, one of the best in the league, but it's not really his first job. And beyond him, I, I, I think that's really an area where, where the Lakers can look to exploit, especially at times when Jokic is off the court or if and when he's not guarding Anthony Davis. Because I, I don't think that's going to be the one-to-one matchup all the time. No, I mean, only I mean the only players who I'm looking at the basketball reference postseason, uh, like who's played center for them. And it's obviously 400 minutes of Jokic, 12 minutes of Zeke Naji. Aaron Gordon has played a decent, he's basically been their backup center. And then some Jeff Green, small ball lineups kind of in there. Um, they've done no DeAndre Jordan, none of that. Don't they have Thomas Bryant? Am I am I going crazy? Yes, Thomas I, Bryant is I on this so. team. Um, I I would be surprised if uh, we'd see that. But yeah, I mean, those are those are times you have to uh, exploit Jokic not being on there. But I just, I just assume Jokic and... Um, AD are going to kind of have their minutes mirrored. You know, I think both of these guys, they're probably going to play 40 minutes a game. They're both going to be in there when the, when the other one is in. And then those, those minutes where they're both off, it's I, <laughs> kind of complete chaos, I think. All right, let's talk Boston, Miami. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you the same question I've been asked at a few shows this week. Is this as lopsided as it looks on paper? Should the Celtics be as heavily favored as they are? No, I don't think so. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think the Celtics have done a lot this postseason to give me trust in them. And I think you could argue that their win in that series over Philly was maybe more so about Philly collapsing than it was Boston rising up and like rising to the moment and overachieving. Obviously, Tatum had a great last game. Um, But I... Uh, what Miami has proved to me is insane. You know, like, again, I get it. Like maybe like Giannis was out first round. Still the Bucks probably should have won that series. Huge upset. Amazing. Heat versus Knicks relatively even on paper. Although obviously the heat haven't had Tyler hero this whole time. Didn't matter. He took care of business. And I just, again, I think, I think Spolstra could out coach Missoula. Not a question. He's way better, way more experienced. And Boston's showing a lot of weakness. Um, so no, I don't think I don't think it should necessarily be this lopsided. Like in game one, the Celtics are eight point favorites. I would take Heat plus eight. Oh yeah, we're banging Heat plus eight for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think if, if there's a spot for for Boston to come up short and come up a little tight in this series, it would be game one. I really think so. And we'll see. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe they unlock something in game seven, winning the way that they did. Uh, it, it kind of felt like they needed something like that throughout these first couple of rounds to. Uh, I guess like remind this team of just how good they are, because I think if you just line up the talent and you look at what these teams did over an 82 game sample, 
then yeah, I think, I think the numbers are justified. I think Miami should be a huge favorite. I think it's fine that they're eight point favorites at home, but that doesn't take into account the, like the mystique that is that the Miami heat right now, and especially the history that they have against Boston. Um, I mean, even the history they have against Milwaukee, they you know, kind of saw something similar play out a couple of years ago, but I don't know. The hero factor at some point has to matter to me. And like, I, I think this is a series where maybe they start to miss him, but ultimately it's going to come down to can Miami shoot the ball like it did in round one against Milwaukee seems unlikely, but we also saw him do it for like five straight games or are they the team that they were, you know, this past round against New York where they, they ran into an opponent that was discombobulated that had a, in my opinion, kind of a toxic core of guys that just don't really fit together. And Miami wins a series in six games pretty easily by shooting 30% from three. Like that, that doesn't happen in the, in the modern NBA, you don't shoot 30% from three and win a series in six games. Like they, if that happens again, that they're losing to, to Boston in four or five. Right. Well, I mean, yes, but to me, to me, the thing that is really, you know, what's led Miami to be this good is they can play however they need to play, which is bizarre given how thin this roster is like, in the first in the series against Milwaukee, they needed Jimmy Butler to look like Michael Jordan. Um, in the following series against New York, it was a little bit more of a team effort. And I think they're really flexible with how they play. Obviously, it goes to Spolstra, but um, I uh, they you know again, I mean, you're, you you can't lose the three point battle against a team that's shooting as many threes as Boston does, right? So um, unless you're absolutely dominating them in the paint offensive rebounds maybe that's what they'll try to do I mean I think that's what we kind of saw Golden State do in last season's finals they got really physical with Boston they try to get under their skin um try to play really tough and obviously Miami's way better at doing that than Golden State is no you're right you're right I mean it's tough to find true advantages for the Miami Heat but you just you kind of have to place your faith in Jimmy Butler and and Eric Spolstra and Bam Adebayo and uh, you know, they're going to make it competitive, if nothing else. I mean, it, it would not shock me whatsoever if Boston wins in, in five games, but I don't think we're going to see any just complete no-shows like we saw for Philly, where Boston is up 25 for the entire fourth quarter. Like, my, Miami isn't going to lay down like that, even if they're not shooting the ball well. But um, all right, what are your official predictions for both of these series? Who wins how many games? Uh, I think, man, I think, so I'm going to go Nuggets in six but i wouldn't be shocked if it went seven uh and i'm gonna go celtics i'm also gonna go celtics and six i feel like these are cop-outs but nuggets and celtics and six hey there's nothing nothing copping out about picking two teams to win on the road to close out a series so i like that i'm going boston in five i i I think i think they're they're gonna get it done i I think miami's just gonna come up short and you know I, i think we're Going to see Boston play in the finals for a second year in a row and, and take advantage of, of what's been a pretty advantageous path for them. Oh man. In the West, I, I think I, you know what I want to do here. I want to, I want to say like nuggets and four, just so I, I feel like I could, you know, kind of hedge my, my happiness here, <laughs> but I'll say Denver in seven. Okay. Denver I wouldn't blame seven. you for taking the Lakers. Like, I don't think I'm not, I'm not of the opinion that anybody who takes the Lakers is like wrong. Like, I don't, I'm not that strong. Like, I don't feel as strongly about that as I felt like, I felt like the Heat were going to beat the Knicks after game three. I was like, the series is over. I don't, I don't feel like that. Yeah. I don't feel, I don't feel that way at all. I I think this is a, it's probably a 60 40 series in favor of Denver. And a big chunk of that is because of the home court advantage. Again, if if it was flipped and the Lakers were, were the one seed and the Nuggets were, 
uh, you know, kind of playing on the road in this series, I, I think I would lean Lakers. I, I do think home court is going to matter that much in a series where you don't have much rest at all between games. You know, we're, we're basically going every other day like we were in the last round. But, you know, I mean, I, I was I, I think I was on the record as Warriors in five in the last round. So I, right. I, I the Lakers continue to prove me wrong. Right. I mean, they they're they're playing better and better as the postseason comes around or goes along. So, you know, I they've, they've kind of earned my respect in some ways. I, I'm just I'm torn between. You know, Denver has had no success, you know, beyond the second round of the playoffs, really in franchise history, but but certainly in this era, like we, we you almost never see a team break through right away without going through the battles. I'm just wondering, like, all right, is it their turn? Like, have they have they gone through those battles? Have they learned enough? Or, you know, are they going to run into the team that has far more experience that won a title a couple of years ago and has like the greatest in-game manager of all time in right. LeBron? Like that that to me, like it the Lakers could win this series in six if, if LeBron is just completely picking apart this defense. But um, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm throwing my hands up. I'm excited to watch though. hundred percent. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm so excited for this series. And like, I, I think Jokic is ready for that finals, but I think there are still some questions about like, right. I mean, Jamal Murray has shown some big games. Like I'm not that worried about Murray popping off for like a 40 point game, you know, or anything like that. But I think there's still some, I have some questions about MPJ, I don't know what they're going to get out of their bench. Um, Aaron Gordon, I think, is just going to be so much focused on defense that I'm not sure his offense even matters. Um, But yeah, you're right. You're right to bring that up. I I just think after going through Golden State, it's like, like, I love Jamal Murray. He's not Stephen Curry, right? And if you're the Lakers, you're like, okay, look, we... We did everything we could, and we we had a pretty good series defensively against Steph. Like he, we limited him about as much as we possibly could. I I I now think they carry that confidence over and say, look, if we could do that against Steph, we could sure as hell do that against Jamal Murray. And you know, like I, I think Aaron Gordon is kind of like the Andrew Wiggins, I guess, of the Nuggets. But right. you know, Wiggins is a significantly bigger threat on offense. Uh, you know, Michael Porter Jr. I think there's some parallels there with Clay Thompson. Uh, you you kind of you probably need to catch him in a cold series. Like if Michael Porter has two games in this series where he's like six of eight from three, uh, the Lakers are probably losing those games. It's that simple. But I, I think the Lakers feel pretty good internally about how they match up here. It's just the Jokic piece is just, it's impossible. Like there's no, there's no way to prepare for that. You know? I mean, I, I guess you could say Draymond Green does some similar things, but I mean, not at the level that Jokic does by any means. And and I, I, th- I also think the Lakers were helped a ton by the Warriors having so many lineups where one to two players just were not threats offensively. Like that's something they're going to have to get out of that mindset. Like as, as hard as it is to chase around Steph and Clay for an entire series, you're also now playing a team that is never going to have just a complete zero out there. Like the Warriors did. Well, the Warriors during the series, were trying to figure out their lineups, right? Like during the series, it was like, well, we can't play Looney. Well, we also can't play pool. It's like, well, so who are you playing? You know? And I, I don't think the nuggets, I think the nuggets are a lot more established, but I think all of your comparisons to like, Aaron Gorgon's kind of like Wiggins and PJ. I think, I think those are all correct. And the fact that the Lakers did so well against those guys, again, I can, I could never, I just wouldn't, right. would not be shocked Lakers in six. Yeah. And if you're doing that against the team that has been as resilient and proven as any, it's like, I, I think if you're the Lakers, you say, all right, you know, if, if we could shut down Clay Thompson, we could sure as hell, we could sure as hell shut down Michael Porter Jr. has proven nothing, you know, throughout his career in the playoffs. So yeah, we'll see. As you can tell, I'm fired up. I, I think Denver yeah. wins tonight. I, I think they take care of business. I mean, they're going to be, that crowd's going to be fired up. They're going to be fired up. I think they come out strong and they, and they win in convincing fashion tonight. I could actually, I could honestly see this playing out like the, the Suns bucks finals where like Denver takes the first two at home. And then after that, the series completely switches. Yeah. Yeah. I think this could end up, I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up just being a home court series. 
the average yeah, team just wins which, on their home floor. Right. And if that's the case, then then we get Nuggets in seven. And right. I think that, that would be that would be to me the the most likely outcome. Uh, but you know, anything's on the table here, that's for sure. Uh so yeah, I, I will predict a Celtics Nuggets finals, and I will say that the Boston Celtics win that series in six games. Interesting. I'm you know what? I'm gonna ride with the Nuggets. I'm okay. ride with the Nuggets. I'm going Nuggets Celtics, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go Nuggets in I would I would say seven. Nuggets in seven if for that finals. I have to double check on this. I was I was thinking Denver would have home court. Does it go to the better record or the higher seed? Because Boston had a better record, but they're the two seed. Uh, you know, I actually don't know in the finals. All right. I am rapidly Googling this. Home <laughs> court is awarded to the team with a higher regular season win percentage. Interesting. Uh, this okay. comes to us from Ticketmaster.com. I don't know why okay. that is the authority <laughs> on this, but that's the first result that popped up. So when you're planning to buy tickets. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Boston, so Boston gets the home court. I guess, uh, I guess okay. so. Well, according to Ticketmaster, we're going we're gonna to hold them <laughs> accountable for that one. We will. Um, all right. We'll wrap this thing up. Uh, but we were, you know, mere hours away from Lakers or Lakers Nuggets game one. Very much looking forward to that. You can hear Alex and I on NBA radio Wednesday through Friday. We'll be going up to tip off in Boston for Heat Celtics game one tomorrow. We'll have game two. Uh, between the Lakers and the Nuggets on Thursday. And then we'll just be going every other uh, until one of these series wraps up. So very much looking forward to that. And we'll talk later this week. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.